Welcome to an incredible word from Pastor Marcus Dunham, Associate Pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. I thought that um, this would be a good time for us to do something I've always wanted to do, which is to go through a book in the Bible together. And we're going to be doing that over probably about, um, I imagine, maybe about six, seven, eight weeks, somewhere around there. So uh, I'm excited about that. So, uh, but listen, uh, I'm glad to get to teach this morning. So we are going to be going through the book of First Thessalonians. Now, I could have picked any book. Um, I decided that, you know, I, I mean, I really enjoy the Gospels. I enjoy uh, all the epistles. Uh, but I felt, you know, uh, what I believe, I believe that this is the very first letter that Paul ever wrote to any of the churches that we have in the New Testament. And so um, it's, it's a great book. It's not too long, but it has a whole lot in it that speaks to, I believe, our church, that speaks to us directly. And so uh, we're going to go ahead and we're going to be going through the book of First Thessalonians. And so... Um, and as we go through this, um, our goal is for us to learn what God was speaking to that church and uh, what, uh, you know, what was going on there. And I believe that understanding that better helps us to better understand what he's speaking to us today when we read this letter. And so, um, you know, our, an, an, another goal is not only for us to walk away with just head knowledge and facts and things for us to know, but more importantly, for us to walk away with heart knowledge to help us in our walk with Christ. And so um, we're going to go ahead and hop into it. And uh, before we start in the verses, I thought it'd be good to, to kind of set it up. And so today will be our setup day. And, um, you know, whenever I think about, when it, whenever I approach a letter, whenever I, or whenever I approach a, bo- a book in the Bible, I like to ask questions. I ask myself questions like, you know, where was Thessalonica? which is the name of the city that he's, the reason why it's called Thessalonians is because he's writing to the church in Thessalonica. You know, where was it? You know, why was he writing this letter? What was going on? What were the people like? And I feel like when you understand those things, it really, you know, it makes the, the Bible come to life, you know, when you kind of understand what's going on there. So um, we're going to kind of go over some of those things first and then how this church even came to be. You know, he's writing to people. He's not writing to people that he doesn't know. These are people that this is a church that he helped plant. And so um, this, this letter, as you, whenever you go and read through it, if you ever read through it on your own, you'll see there's a lot of like there, he's really connected to the people there. You know, he really loves them and they love him. So uh, let's go ahead and start. So um, the book of 1 Thessalonians has a one in front of it because it's the first of a two-part series. And, um, the, and the letter, like I said before, is written to the church in Thessalonica. Now, um, the city today is called Thessaloniki. I wish I could have gone to Greece with some of you who went. Um, and I believe, uh, Katie, that, that you guys went to Thessalonica. Is that? It, it, okay. Yeah. So cool. I wish I could have gone. But um, it is located in modern-day Greece, uh, Greece. Excuse me. We have a map here, um, uh, map one there. Um, right there, Thessalonica, 
Um, so this right here is Greece. This is uh, an old map, but that right there is Greece. Hanging up there is the northern uh, coast of, of, um, of Greece, and, it is the, and it's along the opening of the Aegean Sea there. And it's considered the second most important city in Greece today, which I thought was cool, uh, behind the city of Athens uh, because of all the history uh, that it provides. And the city sat between major trade routes. There's another map here, um, uh, map two there. Um, uh, There was a lot of trade routes. There there are a few trade routes that it sat between, which made it a very important city. I'm sorry you can't see too well. But right here, that, that red line that you see there is a Roman road, uh, um, a popular Roman road uh, called the Via Ignatia, which, was, which ran from modern-day, where it says Dorichium, uh, modern-day Albania, all the way over to where, um, uh, over, over in the far where it ends, right there, that is um, Istanbul, Turkey. And so uh, that's about 5,972 miles. That's a long way. That's pretty impressive. You know, in fact, it's still there today. You can, you know, if somebody wanted to walk that far, but um, really cool. And so, um, but it sat in between uh, major trade routes, which is really important because, because of that, it drew a lot of different types of people. It was very strategic uh, for the Roman Empire, um, but also for business. So it connected the east to the west. And if you're traveling through it, you had to stop in Thessalonica, which is right there. So uh, you can go ahead and pull that down. But that, that right there, I, you know, I'm a visual person. So for anybody else that likes to see things visually, there you go. Um, Thessalonica eventually became the, uh, the, the, the capital of Macedonia, which was a region. And uh, because of this, uh, it, uh, it, dr- it, it became an epicenter for commerce, philosophy, cultures, and all different types of, uh, and all the different types of things like that. Uh, Thessalonica was also very wealthy because of, the, because of all the commerce that it drew. So, um, you know, I kind of imagine it to be like a metropolitan city today, like Houston, you know, drawing different people, a lot of different business. And so, you know, when you go into it, when you go into that city, when people would go into that city, it was very big and a lot, you know, it was very booming. In fact, um, it it was about 200,000 people making it the largest city at that time in um, in Macedonia. So uh, very cool. Uh, It comprised primarily of Greeks during that time, along with other cultures. And it also comprised, uh, it, uh, it also included Jews. And there was a large Jewish population there. And while Thessalonica was like other Greek cities who idolized Greek gods, goddesses, and imperial rulers at the time, uh, it, it all, because of its Jewish population, it had multiple synagogues. And that's going to come in, um, in context here in a bit because we're going to read a little bit about Paul, and um, it'll, that'll make sense a little bit later. So, so that's a little history of it. Now we find Thessalonica in the Bible, okay? And um, this was the city that Paul was walking into uh, in Acts 17. You can read about um, his encounter the first time he walks into Thessalonica. 
in Acts 17. And um, obviously, um, this, this was a big city, which might have been you know, one of the reasons why he stopped there. But this was during his second missionary journey, okay? And uh, he, he, uh, on his first missionary journey, he stayed in the Asia Minor area. In the second missionary journey, he journeyed out into Europe. And this is around AD 51. And so um, when he's going in, he, he's coming out of Philippi. Now, Philippi was about 50, 60 miles away. And uh, we find that account in Acts 16. So when you read Acts 16, you see Paul. He's going through Philippi. And when they're there, it, the, um, they're ministering to people. And there is a little slave girl who uh, gets, uh, or who, who is, um, who has a demon, and she's able to, to, um, uh, to tell fortunes, and she makes her master a ton of money. Well, eventually, Paul gets tired of them, of, of her following them around, so he casts the demon out, and it caused some issues because this guy, basically, that was his business. So he got mad. He got upset. They caused the uproar. You know, long story short, Paul and Silas end up in prison, and this is the popular story that you may have heard of Paul and Silas worshiping God, and then all of a sudden, an angel comes, and they are miraculously released from prison. Their chains fall off, and uh, a jailer there who was afraid for his life ends up getting born again along with his family. So you can read that whole thing, Acts 16, really cool. After that happens, they then travel west and then end up in Thessalonica, and that is in Acts chapter 17. So um, in Acts 17, he arrives there, and um, as he goes, the, the Bible tells us there that the first thing, well, we don't know that's the, this, that that's the first thing he does, but one of the things that he does anytime he goes to a city that has a synagogue, which is where Jews gather, he would go there, and he would begin to reason, and that's what he's doing. He's reasoning with the Jews, talking with them, helping them to know that the Messiah has come, and that is Jesus. And as he's doing that, some of the Jews, they're getting saved. You know, they're, they're, they're believing in Christ. And it actually says there that for three weeks straight, three Sabbaths straight, he's doing this. And no doubt, he's also sharing the gospel, ministering to other uh, people who are not Jews, which are called Gentiles. And he's speaking to them, and, and he's ministering to them, and people are getting saved. Well, there's a problem. The Jewish teachers in the synagogue of the law, these guys were getting a little jealous. You know, they're losing influence. They feel like they're losing influence in the synagogue and also in the city. So these guys get upset. They get mad. And they decide that they're going to run these guys out the city. So they go and they find some of the, the you know, j just some rough guys that they know can cause some issues. And they begin to pursue Paul and Silas. And along with them is Timothy. And uh, eventually, it, it gets really bad for them and the Christians, and so they run them off. So, they, uh, so Paul and uh, Silas and Timothy, they, they, they go 45 miles west to a city called Berea. They're there in Berea, and they begin to do the same thing, ministering people in the synagogues. Uh, people are getting saved, and it's great. And I thought this was funny, but the same people who ran them out in Thessalonica hear that, they're, he, that they're in Berea, and they travel 45 miles. Like, that's a long way. And, I mean, they weren't driving in a car. I mean, I'm wondering, did they walk? I mean, were they stomping the whole way? You know, just, you know, were they, you know, were they on a donkey, on a camel? I don't know. They got there somehow. 45 miles 
just to run them out of that city. Like, man, these guys were really angry, you know. I just thought that was funny. And so they run them out of Berea, and then they go down to Athens. And while they're in Athens, again, this is all in Acts 17, um, he, you know, he, uh, he sees all the different idols there, and he begins to preach um, uh, a popular message at what we call Mars Hill there in Athens. And he gives that sermon, and, 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 uh, and some people get saved. Awesome things happen. Well, while he's there in Athens, he's thinking about that church that he started. You know, you know he was there for probably about three months. And at this point, it probably had been about a month or so, maybe two months, you know. But he's thinking about that young church, those young believers, because those same people who ran him out of Thessalonica and ran him out of Berea. In fact, you want to put up this map just so, um, you know, this, this you know, again, uh, visuals help me. Uh, right there is Thessalonica. To the left, you can see Berea. And then all the way down, you see Athens there. And while he's in Athens, he's thinking about them in Thessalonica because those same people who were running them out were still in Thessalonica and they were causing them trouble. And they were facing some persecution because of their faith in Jesus. And he was concerned about them. You know, they, they don't, they, they'd only been Christians for, you know, four or five months. And so he decides that he's going to send Timothy. He sends Timothy back to Thessalonica and there in Thessalonica, he is there, um, uh, it tells us that he is there to establish and exhort them, to encourage them, to make sure that they're standing strong in their faith, that they're not uh, uh, um, being swayed by, the, the, um, by the, you know, the things that are happening in the city, the, the things that they're saying, and not uprooting them from their faith. And so Timothy is doing that, and after he's there for some time, he then travels down, and um, Paul had already moved on to Corinth there, to the west there, and uh, Timothy meets them in Corinth. And it is there that Timothy brings him a report. And um, he is waiting to hear, and Timothy brings him a great report. That even though they've been only been saved for four, five, six months, that they were standing and rooted in the gospel. That even though they were facing persecution, they weren't giving in. They were standing strong. In fact, their faith was so strong that it had rang out to some of the neighboring cities. In, the other church, in, in other churches, it, news traveled that these guys were standing strong in their faith. And this encouraged Paul. I mean, you can imagine, he was encouraged, he was excited, and he was so excited that he decided that he was going to pen a letter, and that is how First Thessalonians came about. I thought that was cool. What y'all think? Yeah. It's good to know, you know, this is how First Thessalonians came about. Now, in the letter, you know, this is, you know, while he's excited, there's also a few other things that is in that report from Timothy. Timothy, he's letting him know that you know, there's a couple other things. One is that one of the believers, well, multiple, uh, a few believers who Paul had known and met had died in that span while they were gone. And um, they were concerned. Paul, while he was there, clearly he makes it clear that while he was there, one of the things he taught about and talked about was the rapture. 
whenever Jesus comes back and they were going to be raptured. I think it's so, uh, uh, well, as he was, though, that is one of the things that he taught about. And they were concerned that the believers who had passed, that they would miss the rapture. And I thought that was interesting that even then, that they were imagining Jesus to come in their day, you know? I mean, you know, that was the message. And, you know, that's why they thought, man, you know, I mean, are they going to miss it? And so the Bible says that they were in deep sorrow. But, you know, even then they were expecting Jesus to come in their day. And we're encouraged to do the same thing, right? To, uh, to look to that day. So Paul, you know, in his letter, that's one of the things that he is talking about and he's speaking to. And then also um, uh, he is um, wanting to encourage them, you know, in their faith. And there's a few other things that are brought up that he is speaking towards and speaking to. Uh, some of those people who were causing problems were trying to persuade them and let them know that, listen, y'all don't need to listen to Paul. Don't listen to Timothy. Don't listen to these guys. They don't know what they're talking about. He, you know, they were trying to discredit, and he is there, you know, in this letter. He's speaking to some of those things. So that right there is why and how the letter comes about. So with that said, we're going to go ahead and hop into uh, the Scripture. If you have your Bibles, you can open up with us, or you can um, look at the screens. We'll have the verses up there. So let's go ahead and jump to verse 1. Uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 1. He says this, This letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Now, I'm not going to do a whole lot of stopping, but I did want to stop here for just a second. I thought, as I was reading this, I thought about how we know that Paul is called to the Gentiles. That, that was something that they knew. They knew, that, they knew and we know that he was called to preach the gospel. We know that he was called by God to do what he was doing. Nevertheless, he didn't do it alone. I thought that was interesting. In fact, he wasn't just a, a, just a, a one-man crew kind of just doing this willy-nilly. He was launched out of a church in Antioch. He had a calling, and he knew that he had to go through a local church, and he was launched out from there. You know, it shows the importance of us knowing that, you know, whatever God has called us to, the importance of realizing that we can't do it alone and that everything that we do is through the local church. Whether, you know, whatever it is that God has called us to do, whether it's a ministry, whether it is, a, you know, us as a mother, a father, whatever we're called to do, everything is called within the context of the local church. So I thought that was interesting. Um, continuing on, he says, we are writing to the church in Thessalonica to you who belong to God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, may God give you grace and peace. This church needed a lot of grace and a lot of peace at this time. As we mentioned before, they were, they were facing persecution and they needed grace. You know, that, that ability, that enabling power to allow them to continue in the face of persecution, for them to continue to stand strong in their faith. And they also needed some peace, knowing that at the end of the day, things were going to be okay. And I believe that that speaks for us today and makes me speak for somebody here today. God, he is giving us grace and peace, grace to be able to continue to stand strong in the face 
of whatever we may be facing today, that we can stand strong knowing that he gives us the ability. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 and 13 tells us that God gives, that he enables us. He gives us the desire and the ability to do what it is that he's called us to do. And also that he gives us peace, that we can rest in him and know that at the end of the day, everything is going to be okay. Amen? Everything's going to work out. It may not look like the way that we're expecting it, but he's got this. We can have peace in knowing that things are going to be okay. Amen? And he continues uh, in verse 2 and 3, and we'll stop there. He says, We always thank God for all of you and pray for you constantly. And as we pray to our God and Father about you, we think about your faithful work, your loving deeds, and the endearing hope you have because of our Lord Jesus Christ. A couple of things stuck out to me here in verse 2 and verse 3. First is that he says that he was praying for them and constantly praying for them. You know, the people in, you know, that we know that are in our families, friends that we know who come to the Lord, who are new to their faith, you know, we should pray for them. We should intercede for them, lift them up in prayer. You know, everybody needs prayer, but especially those who are new to the faith. And then secondly, uh, he noticed something, and when he prays, he was saying that I pray about these three things, and I think about these three things. Number one, your faithful work. Number two, your loving deeds. And number three, your enduring hope. Those are three things that he wanted to point out. In fact, that's going to be sort of a layout for, that, for the entire letter. When we go through, you'll see that he is talking generally about their faithful work, the faith that they had that had been heard by many, uh, their loving deeds for their love for God and then their love for one another, and then thirdly, for the enduring hope that they had because of Jesus Christ, pointing them and reminding them of that hope. And if you see that those are three words that you've heard before, faith, love, and hope. Those are three things that Paul, while this is the first time he may have wrote them, as this is the first letter he would write in the New Testament, this is not the first time that we've heard him and not the first time that he has talked about him. A few other verses where he mentions faith, love, and hope. First um, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 8, later in this same letter, he says, Let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet of hope of salvation. Faith, love, and hope. Galatians chapter 5, verses 5 through 6, he says, For through the Spirit, by faith, there, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. I love that. Faith, eagerly waiting for our hope. Faith is connected to our hope. And, it, and he says that our faith, that it's expressed and worked out through love. And then lastly, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13 says, so now faith, hope, and love abide. And the greatest of these is love. So faith, hope, and love. And what's interesting is that all three of those 
uh, uh, Thessalonians, Galatians, and 1 Corinthians were, were some of the first letters that he wrote. So this was something that he was pondering about in that time span when he was writing these letters. And I thought, you know, since today we did a setup to give us one thing to focus on today, for us to walk home is for us to ponder and to think about the same thing that he was thinking about, which is faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Something that we can take away. I did my best to put this into a sentence. Um, I, you know, I, I tried to, to work this out, but, you know, hopefully it comes out right. Uh, but uh, what I took away from what he was saying there in Galatians, he says, Faith in God is anchored by our hope in Christ that is expressed through our love for others. Faith in God is anchored by our hope in Christ, and it ex- is expressed, our faith is expressed by our love, by our love for one another and our love for others. And so um, three takeaways that I want to take home that we can walk away with today. Number one is for us to be faithful. You know, um, this church, Paul, one of the things he was writing to them is he wanted to let them know how proud of them he was. He was proud of them. They were faithful. They were faithful in their, in their, in their faith in God, and they were faithful to the things, to the instructions that he left for them. They stayed strong in it, even in the face of persecution, even whenever there was pressure on them, they together were faithful in what God had called them to do. Man, what a testimony and what an encouragement that can be for us today. And I believe that God is saying the same thing to you, that he is proud of you, that as you have stayed faithful, he is pleased when we are faithful. Amen? He is pleased when we are faithful in what he has called us to do, whether it be in our faith, being faithful, in keeping up our relationship with Jesus, whether it be in our job, whether it be in our home, in our marriage, in our family, whatever it is that God has called us to do, I feel like one thing we can take away from the Thessalonian church is to be faithful, to be faithful in those things, to, to do our best to please God. And that's what I, mean, and that's what I believe that means, to, to please God, to do what it is that will be pleasing to him. So that's number one. Number two is to ponder and to think about the hope we have in Christ. That's something that he talks about a lot in the letters, in his letters. Gary, you know, you, I know you study them. Luke is a teacher of the word, so I know you know as well. You know, that's something that he talks about a lot, is, 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 is our hope in Christ. And I figure that that is something that we should think about. Colossians 3 uh, verses um, uh, 2 and 3, he tells the Colossian church to, to, uh, to think about things that are in heaven and to uh, the things that are seated with Christ, to think about those things, ponder on those things. And one of those is the hope we have that one day he will return. And when he does, things are going to be great. And I, you know, you know, I, I just think, man, what that day would be like, you know, um, you know, it happens in a, in a flash is what the Bible says, you know, I don't know, you know, what, you know, what would that look like? But to know that one day things will be made okay, that everything will be made perfect, 
no sighing, no crying, no death. Everything is made well that we can look forward to. In fact, we're encouraged to do it. And so that's another thing. We can ponder and think and discuss it, talk about it, the hope we have in Christ in that day. And thirdly, for us to love one another, for us to encourage and remember to think about our love for each other. You know, this church, they, whenever you read through First Thessalonians, you see that, that brotherly love that they had for one another, although they had a few oddballs. But ultimately, you know, what I love about our church is that we keep the main thing the main thing. And I believe that we have a lot of love in this house. We, we treat each other like family. But I think that's because we do keep the main thing the main thing. And we have to remind ourselves on what unites us, which is our faith in Christ. And we got to keep away and keep the things that divide us. And many times, that's usually our opinions. Can I get an amen? amen? Those are the things that divide us, usually. They polarize. And those are things, you know, they're not worth bringing up. And so... Let us think and let us remember to love one another, but also to love those who are coming into our life who don't know Jesus. You know, I remember the people who loved on me before I came to Jesus. I feel bad for Jenny, man. I used to, I'd, I'd say no to her all the time, you know, just like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't want to go to church. You know, who was that person who loved on you? Who was that person who thought about you and was praying for you? Who was that person who showed you love with a purpose that led you to being born again? You know, there is somebody in your life that God is wanting you to love on, and we get to. Because the day that they come to Jesus, boy, it's worth it. You know, it's worth us looking over the, the things that annoy us. It's worth us looking over the things that get on our nerves, the things that, uh, that are just, you know, the rough parts about a person. It's worth us showing them extra grace and showing them extra peace for the purpose of them coming to know Jesus. It's worth it. Amen? Let's love one another and let's love those that God is bringing into our life. So faith, hope, and love. Amen? Thanks again for joining us for this dynamic message from Pastor Marcus Dunham. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastors and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.